0: This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Friday edition of the Nine Finger Chronicles. Hopefully, everybody's had a good week, good month, good summer. I'll tell you this, man the uh, the velvet action. In the fields these days, I don't know where you live, but if you have the opportunity to get out right now and go driving around and and uh, look for deer out in fields, I think, man, I, I feel like the action is, has been picking up. And over the last three or four drives that I went on with my boys, we've we've seen some really good deer. Now, unfortunately, most of those properties uh, I don't have access to, but I saw a really good deer. I'm gonna put him in the low 160s, high 150s uh, class as a, I think he was a 10-pointer. Uh, He was a long ways away, but he looked really good. He was out past his ears. Uh, Main beams went out to his nose. His time lengths weren't really too terribly long, but anyway, it got me excited, and I'm probably going to go knock on a door this afternoon once I'm done editing and getting my work done for the day. So good things are happening, right? The season is getting closer. We got to shoot our bows more. We got to get ready for the season. We got to inspect our gear and I'm doing all that right now. I got to shoot more out of the saddle uh, that, I, that I got uh, this year and I'm going to use this year. So I'm really looking forward to that. Today's episode, we're going to be talking with a gentleman named Zach Vadova and he's out of Northern Wisconsin and he's going to talk to us a little bit about how he was a complacent hunter. Right? He 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 had done the same exact thing for several years. And he was kind of unhappy. He kind of got burnt out and bored with how his, I don't want to say maybe his strategy was playing out. He was still finding success every now and then, but it was, you know, the same thing. The same same type of deer every single year, you know, fairly small, young deer. And he finally said to himself, man, I gotta I gotta learn to get better. And so he pulled up my podcast. He pulled up uh, the working class bow hunter podcast and a couple other uh, podcasts that are out there. And he had kind of an aha moment. He's like, dude, all these people that these guys are interviewing are doing things different than how I do it. And so I got to change my game. And so long story short, he, he makes a couple strategy changes uh, in 2020 Changes the strat- strategy, gets the same caliber of deer, but then in 2021 makes this huge commitment to where, hey man, I'm I'm going after a different caliber of deer this year and it paid off. So awesome episode. I love listening to guys. Y- you can hear him explain how he had to have a mindset change in in this episode and so huge shout out to zach for uh, getting it done and uh good luck this upcoming season man but before we get into today's episode we got to do a commercial and so tethered right if you're looking for a high quality saddle you need to go check out tethered right not only do they have all the equipment right the platforms the saddle the 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 uh saddle accessories and climbing sticks things like that they also have an education found like the foundation of what they do is based off education, and they have all that education on their website and on their YouTube channel. So if you want to learn how to be a saddle hunter, go check out Tethered. All right, next Wasp Archery, dude. I love I love this company. I love the the guys who work there, and uh, I love what kind of damage their broadheads do to animals on on the best shots, which you know the double lung or the heart shots that we all that we all kind of hope for, but also on the not-so-great shots, the hard quartering away shots, maybe some deflection or, or it maybe user error. I've been there, and it's back a little bit in the guts, in the ham, or things like that. But the destruction that these broadheads do turn bad shots into good shots. And so, huge fan of Wasp. And not only behind that, you have... Great material, great engineering, and that leads to a product that I'm very confident in. So, if you want to find out more about Wasp, go visit wasparchery.com. Discount code for 20% off: NFC20. NFC20. Next, hunt stand, dude. I'm on hunt stand all the time now. Uh, the the out-of-state hunts are coming up faster and faster every single day and week and so that means I got to be prepared and I got to know where I'm going and I have to know where the boundaries are I need to know how to access the properties and once I get out there I have to know where to go and uh, so I am definitely using that functionality all the time it's affordable with the most functionality so if you want to find out more about hunt stand and all the functionality and features that they offer which is above and beyond anything else and there's a reason why it's the number number one most popular hunting app on the market go visit huntstand.com discount code sn20 for 20 percent off and lastly my homeboys over at vortex not only do these guys offer great products spotting scopes binoculars uh, range finders red dots you name it, rifle scopes. You name it, they have it, and they have a support team behind their products that is second to none. They want to see you be successful. They want to see you use their, uh, you know, use their products, and they also want repeat customers. And the only way to do that is to have excellent customer service and an excellent product. And Vortex has that. So if you want to find out more information of uh, everything that Vortex has to offer, go visit Vortex optics.com and they also have a really awesome uh, podcast themselves vortex nation you can see that on youtube all right commercials are done i just want to say one thing before we get started if you if you are not following the nine finger chronicles on instagram please do so if you're not following the sportsman's empire on instagram please do so and uh, last but not least man go leave a five-star review wherever you download your podcast iTunes preferably, or Apple Podcasts if, if you're listening there, which most of you are, it sounds like, or from, from the analytics that I get. And be sure to check out other podcasts on the Sportsman's Empire. If you're state-specific, let's say if you live in Pennsylvania, if you live in Ohio, if you live in Missouri, if you live in Wisconsin, things like that, or throughout the entire south we have a podcast dedicated to you guys so go check that out as well and uh now we can be done and now we can get into today's episode where a guy figures out a, a new hunting strategy that leads to success three two one ladies and gentlemen on the phone with me today mr zach vadova how are we doing man I'm doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Where do you hail from?
1: Northeast Wisconsin, oh. Marinette County.
0: Nice. Nice. Is that, uh, would that be considered big woods up there?
1: Yeah. I Probably north of me is, I'm agricultural area. There's a lot of farm fields. Gotcha. Um, like 100, 200 acre chunks of timber and then a lot of fields around. Gotcha. Stuff like that. Like corn, soybeans beans this year. and
0: Gotcha. All right. So, pretty much that standard Midwestern type of uh, hunting scenario. Yeah.
1: A lot of dairy farms, yep.
0: Gotcha. Okay. All right. So, uh, before we kind of get into uh, today's episode, why don't you uh, tell us what do you do for a living?
1: I'm a welder down at a weld shop.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I think I've expressed before that uh, I my welding sucks really bad.
1: And so, I,
0: I always re- refer to this story when I was in college and and uh, me and my buddy our parents worked for a uh, a steel manufacturer uh, like a, a, they they made big i-beams for other okay. for other companies and so there was a lot of welding well we didn't do any welding on that on those particular like the stuff that they sold but we worked for the maintenance department and we had every once in a while had to do some weld jobs and okay. they put us <laughs> they made me and my buddy do some welding uh like weld these shelves up or something like that, and the got- the maintenance boss came through, and he was just like, "Jesus, guys, I can't like oh, I'm gonna have to go back and do it and that was the last time we were ever allowed to weld on that job he he, <laughs> he said he goes, that looks like Swiss cheese, I can't have it and uh and so I guess if your welds look like Swiss cheese, that's a bad thing,
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely take some skill and some knowledge to know what you're doing. And I've been doing it since high school. I graduated high school in 2004, so I've been doing it, you know, good almost 20 years now or so. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. Did you have to go to, like, a, a training school for that?
1: Yep. Yeah, I went to NWTC up here. It's a, it's a technical college. Yeah. And uh, got my degree in welding and stuff like that.
0: Gotcha. Let me ask you this right now. I mean, every place is hiring every oh, yeah. mcdonald's libraries you know the <laughs> the city looking for guys to pick trash up everybody's looking for you know people to do the job What what's the yeah. trade scenario like right now i mean uh, everybody all welcome type of guys
1: yeah everybody's welcome but it's just it's hard to find people that want to work
0: it's yeah. crazy yeah
1: we have so many open positions at the company that i work for and just can't find people that i don't know if it's people are just lazy nowadays and they don't want to work or yeah. it well I don't know what it is but it's, it seems like every place is struggling to find uh yeah everybody in, like the skilled trades not even just welders I mean electricians and plumbers and everything else
0: yeah well that's a commitment too right it's not like there's a lot of people that I mean from what I've seen they they bounce around from job to job to job and and it's a commitment yeah. for a trade right if you if you can't just be a plumber for a week you got to dedicate time exactly. to be good at it yeah. or you know a welder you got to dedicate time to it and, and yeah. if you want a career choice yeah exactly exactly so cool man cool and uh, uh married kids family
1: uh i'm actually divorced mm. but <laughs> well, that should help I your hunting kids. <laughs> yeah um I do I do have two kids. Yeah. I have a daughter that's just turned 6 and I have a little boy that's almost 3.
0: Oh, so, nice. Yep. Nice. Are they taking any interest into the the hunting lifestyle?
1: Um I bought my daughter a BB gun. She loves shooting at. Um they love coming out in the woods with me. So I'm assuming they're going to hunt. They yeah. like They love all my mounts that are in the house.
0: <laughs> right. Hey, let me so, ask you a, a question. Is that why you got divorced? Is it because you had so no, many mounts? No, no. no, no. <laughs>
1: Oh, that
0: was not it. <laughs> <laughs> I, we, we won't we won't go down that road. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: all good though. Yeah, it's all yeah,
0: good. Yeah. All right. So, um, you reached out to me and you're like, "Hey, man, I want to. Uh, uh, you know, if I ever get the opportunity, and you're looking for guests, let's. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to be on your show. And and so yep. I, I don't really turn anybody down. I love to talk deer with with just about anybody. So let's just kind of start right at the beginning, Zach.
1: Okay.
0: Did you come from a, a hunting family?
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Big time on uh, big time on my dad my dad's side of the family.
0: Yeah. Was it that
1: huge hunting family?
0: Yeah. So when when someone says tradition to me, you know, like there's a tradition in hunting, the first state that I I that pops into my head is Wisconsin. There is wow. a, as far as the Midwest is concerned, I'm sure there's traditions all over the country, but when it comes to tradition, Wisconsin pops up and it's yep. just, it's like ingrained into the culture of that state. Yep. Uh, did you guys do the, you know, first day of school or the first day of season, you know, was uh, on a Friday or whatever and you guys got pulled out of school and did all that stuff?
1: Oh, ours always falls on a Saturday. Okay. So we were always good, but yeah, you did not, I mean, I'm like firearm season, you never miss opening day. You, you go, yeah. that's, that's bigger than Christmas. Like you,
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: That, that's your, that's your holiday.
0: Yeah. So did you guys, yeah. did you guys have like a, a deer camp with a lot of people or was it something small with family or, or was it this huge, big event?
1: It's small with family. We, we have a little camp now. We didn't when i first started hunting but we we actually got a little trailer house now we park out in the middle of the hayfield that's where we go eat lunch and stuff and but yeah when i started i started when i was 14 and we didn't even we didn't have that then it was just go sit on a platform stand out in the woods and wait for a deer to come by and shoot with a 30 30.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and so um so you started with uh, like a rifle or a high-powered, I mean, is that what your family yep. did, or did you have any bow hunting yeah. sprinkled in there?
1: Uh, my dad, my dad was big into bow hunting in, like, the 80s and out oh, through the mid-90s, and then he kind of just stopped because I think he just got busy with life.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that but he But
1: he wants to pick it back up again. He's 66 now, and he wants to start picking it up back up now until he's retired, <laughs> thinking about getting a crossbow.
0: Yeah, better late um, than never.
1: Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's cool though, because we still got—he still got his old Browning compound in the basement, in the case. Nice. And that thing is ancient. It's got wooden limbs on it, even. It's pretty cool.
0: Really, that's awesome. Yep. So.
1: But uh, I mean, my grandfather—my grandfather's the one that really did everything. My grandfather was hardcore into, you know, gun season, whitetail, in yeah. Wisconsin. He yeah. You went hunting.
0: Yeah. Uh, were, was there any other? Outdoor activities sprinkled in on that. Like, did your grandfather or your dad uh, ever take you trapping or fishing or things like that?
1: Oh yeah, we went fishing quite a bit in the summertime. Do some perch fishing out on on the Bay of Green Bay mm-hmm. up here and stuff like that. I mean, I did a lot of like small game hunting too back in like high school and stuff. I'd go rabbit hunting and squirrel hunting and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So 14 is when you really started to get into the, the hunting aspect of it.
1: Yeah. Hunting deer, hunting
0: yep. deer. What happened before that? Were you just, were you like not allowed to go or did it not interest my, you or.
1: <laughs> my dad didn't want me to start till I was 14.
0: Okay. All right. Did he you have a reason? To
1: be, yeah. He wanted me to be big enough and, you know, have the intelligence level to be able to do stuff more on my own. Yeah. You know? Yeah. not just for me to be sitting out there with a rifle in my hand and not know what I'm doing and stuff like that. You just want to make sure I was pretty much, you know, more mature enough to handle everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, oh. uh, that's not a bad idea. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of guys on this podcast. They're like, dude, I shot my first deer when I was four. Or, no, excuse me, four or five or, or uh, yeah. you know, something real young like that where, like, if I handed my kid a rifle right now, I don't even know if they could pick it up properly right or a muzzle muzzleloader yeah. or something like that that wouldn't that, you know wouldn't kick the shit out of them but uh either way whatever you know whatever some kids are big I've seen some other kids in my uh my youngest boy he's four in his class that geez I'm like if you're on the same pace you might be eight foot tall so <laughs> right? <laughs> right so yeah. so there are different sizes of kids but you know I don't blame your dad for tr- for uh, I mean and, for trying
1: yeah and it was Pretty much the same with him. I think he said that his his dad, my grandfather, didn't allow him to go until he was 14 also. So right. I think that had something to do with it also.
0: Yeah. But so, that was
1: just the mentality of everything.
0: Yeah. Were you when, were you trying to, uh, like, bribe your dad into going before you were 14? Like, Dad, please take me. Please oh, yeah. take me. Yeah.
1: I I sat with him. I sat with him. I didn't carry a gun at all or nothing like oh, okay. that. But I went and sat with him a few times beforehand. Um, but, yeah, like, a lot of my buddies... You know, they start hunting when they're 12, so I was kind of bummed because I had to pretty much sit two years and not, you know, be able to kill anything. Right. But it is what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, at least you were out there absorbing absorbing it, and then 14 yep. shows up. Yep. How long from the time you started, you know, doing the the rifle season stuff before you picked up a bow?
1: I think it was the next year. I'm pretty sure I was 15 when I got my first compound, but gotcha. it was nothing special.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think I, you know, other than kids today, the adults that I talked to, you know, when they started hunting back in the nineties the or, or the, you know, early two thousands or whatever, whenever kids started hunting, I've never really heard a story where the, they said, my dad went out and bought me a brand new bow. Or you right. know, got a brand new bow. My first bow was from a garage sale. The arrows didn't even match. Yep. So you know, yeah. so it was it was one of those things where it's like we'll see how serious you are before we put money into it.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. I don't know where my parents picked this one up that they got me, but it looked like it either came from a garage sale or bought it off somebody because it yeah. was nothing special.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So at this time, you know, you you know, you're 14 first gun season, 15 first, yep. like first time with a bow. Um, yep. how, how long did it take for you to actually shoot your first whitetail?
1: Ooh, I think I was 16. Yeah. I don't think I hunted when I was 15 with my bow. I got the bow and I just think I practiced like that whole year Okay. with it. Gotcha. And I'm pretty sure I was 16 I had my driver's license. I know. I'm pretty sure it was 16 when I shot my first, archery buck
0: yeah yeah And that was just the spike yeah (laughs) well i tell you what that's a good start man uh did so 16 you shot your first archery did you shoot a a um a gun deer before that
1: yes yes uh my first year hunting when i was 14 with the rifle i actually shot about 100 110 inch 10 pointer
0: oh there you go not a bad start uh, now let me ask you no. the, the, this question because this is the question that I like. Is the difference between the the gun kill and your spike with a bow was there was there any like emotional difference? Did you get more enjoyment out of the archery kill? Anything like that?
1: Ah, I trying to think back. I mean, I know like when I shot the buck with the rifle. I was so in awe of, like, everything that just happened. Because I shot him on a deer drive. Yeah. So I just seen rack and I started shooting. I didn't even know what he was at first. Yeah. But, I mean, I shot him at, like, 40 yards on deer drive. I killed him right there. Gotcha. But I think I actually enjoyed and took more out of the bull kill.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Shooting that spike. Yeah. Just something like that. I mean, I probably only had – the bowl I was shooting was probably only 45 pounds with, like, no let off <laughs> <laughs> well they've one of those old those old big fat eastern air uh, aluminum arrows you know? right so, right
0: okay. right oh okay I, I can still hear the sound that those aluminum arrows would make it when i would draw on my uh uh on the the first rest that i had it was like metal on metal right so it was just yeah, like exactly. shoo- yeah. <laughs> all yeah. the way man i i can i can still hear that sound um, all right, yeah. so now you, you got an archery kill under your belt. You got a gun kill under your belt. At what point in this timeline did you start to get serious about it? Like some people just go and they, like for me, when I was 14 or, you know, pre-2006, uh, 2006. So in 2006 is when I started taking everything seriously. Uh, and really okay. fallen in love with bow hunting and hunting in general. Yep. But before that, I was just kind of going through the motions. Nothing really, I wasn't h- hooked at that point. Uh, did yep. th- Was there a time that you got hooked into it?
1: I mean, immediately, soon after I shot that spike, like I was hooked on archery. Like ever since then, every year, I never missed the deer season. Yeah. You know, I hunted. But like really getting serious with like, Either are you talking like just getting serious with like shooting deer or like getting serious with like really up in my game?
0: Yeah, up in the game. Like, because you know, just as well as I do, you've been, you've had, you've gone through enough hunting seasons where sitting on the field edges and just watching time go by doesn't really work. Or, you know, yep. some, something had to happen in order for you to go, dude, like, this isn't working. I need to try something different.
1: Probably up until. 2020. Okay. 2020. Like and I, it seems like a long time and it's like I was one of those people I think that they thought they knew what they were doing. Yeah. But really I look back now and I'm like man I was just I was probably just screwing more stuff up than anything.
0: Yeah. So describe yourself like because from how old are you now?
1: I'm 37.
0: Okay, 37. So from from that time you were 14 to 2020 when you when you just said you're kind of made a switch or you opened your eyes and and things like that what kind of hunter were you
1: i mean i still went out there every day but you know i didn't pay as much attention to the wind as i probably should yeah and i didn't strategize as much as i should you know i just kind of i've been hunting the same private property my entire life so i know pretty much where the deer are yeah so i would just I would never even really move my stands. I'd have hang-on stands out there, and I'd just leave them in the same tree from year to year to year and just go out there and sit and hope yeah. for the best and just pretty much go up my gut feeling. I mean, and it paid off. You know, I, I've shot some, I've shot quite a few deer. I mean, nothing that was really impressive. I mean, I'm happy with all my kills, but, I mean, it's not like I was blasting 140s every year or anything like that, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'd be shooting, you know, 90-inch, Eight pointers and stuff like that. I mean, good quality. You know, two and a half year old box.
0: Yeah, and then so so what happened then? When that all of a sudden you're like, I'm I'm done with this part. I'm ready to move on. And yeah. and so what sparked this change in 2020?
1: Pretty much that's when I started listening to you guys on the podcast. <laughs>
0: Great, <laughs> and, I'm, uh, I'm the I'm the reason why uh, you decided, or well, the the podcasters, part, part of it. yeah, part the the part podcast of it. game. Uh, for the yeah. outdoor industry. It opened, it, yeah.
1: It opened up my mind more. Okay. And it made me think more about everything. Right. So like 2020 was a switch and I said, I'm not going to hunt like how I did before. I'm going to be more strategic. I'm going to pay attention to uh, like wind direction. I'm going to try to move my stands around a little bit more and, uh, just figure out the property a little bit more than I hunt on, like find little hidden gems if there is any. Like stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Before 2020, were you running trail cameras at all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've pretty much ran trail cameras for the last 15 years.
0: Okay. So, were you? What were? What were the trail cameras telling you? Were the trail cameras telling you, "Hey, there's a bigger deer on this property"? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I. But a lot of them were nocturnal.
0: Okay. All right. How many, how, uh, this property that you're talking about, how many other people do you share it with?
1: Um, archery season, basically just me. I have a cousin that also, uh, hunts with a crossbow. He goes out a handful of times, but I'm out there as much as I can. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as much stand time as I can get, I'm in the stand.
0: Gotcha. And but, uh,
1: rifle season, rifle season. There's five of us. Okay. There's five of us that gun hunted. it.
0: So it it gets it gets pretty much hammered at uh, rifle season.
1: Yeah, and then there's neighbor properties around it, you know. Yeah. Gun hunt also. So.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So 2020 comes. You made a decision that hey, man, I need to I need to get better at this game. Why yep. specifically? Why Why the change?
1: I wanted to focus on. I I think it was more just like a personal like achievement. Like I want to like. I guess I wanted to grind a little bit more at it. You know, I gotcha. want to figure stuff out. I wanted to enjoy the grind of thinking more, the mental part of it, like figuring it out, trying to beat, you know, an animal at his own game, stuff like that.
0: Right. So with a bigger buck in mind or a, a, an older yeah, age I class to in mind? To,
1: yeah, I wanted to basically three-and-a-half-year-old, or older. I didn't want to shoot anything less than that.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So a lot of guys say that, you know, some guys are good at holding off and, and things like that, but there's also a group of guys that say, Hey dude, I, I want to go for a four year old or a three year old or an older age class, bigger antlers, whatever. And then yep. that the first season they decide to do that, the same deer that they've shot the past 10 years shows up and then they shoot it again right? <laughs> yeah. Did you have a, did you have kind of a, um, a moment where you were tempted by, uh, a, a deer of that like like you said, a, oh, yeah. a 90 inch eight pointer standing right in front of you.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, we, we have a pretty healthy deer herd on our, on our farm. Yeah. It, it's actually, it's no, I call it a farm because it is my grandpa's old dairy farm. Yeah. But, uh, um, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, end of September, early part of October, because we start September, uh, usually fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. It falls on a Saturday. Usually, it's the third Saturday, third Saturday in September when our season starts here. Gotcha. So the end of September, first week in October, somewhere in there. And yeah, there's a ninety-inch shape pointer standing in front of me, twenty yards away. Not a care in the world. Has no clue I'm up in the tree. And it's like, oh, I could just whack you right now. And right, you know.
0: How what? hard? How hard was that? I mean, did you know? I mean, you ran trail cameras, so you must have known that there's bigger deer on the property. Was oh, was yeah. passing it yeah, easy? 100%. Yeah, it.
1: Yeah, it was. It was easy because, like, I I just kept telling myself, I'm like, I oh, know nope, I'm not doing that anymore. I want to focus on something bigger. So, like, I wouldn't even pick up my bow. I'd leave my bow hanging on the hanger, and I just enjoy watching the buck do what he's gonna do. And, but yeah, it was tempting but i just tell myself no and
0: right okay let the
1: night go on in the morning or whatever whatever part of the day it was
0: right okay so the the next step is you you can't you can't just say i'm gonna shoot a bigger deer this year right you you said that you wanted to feel the grind you wanted to take the extra steps what were the extra steps that you decided to to implement in that 2020 season
1: i went down and I took down all my stands. I took down all my sets that I had. I probably had four out in the pro- on the property at that point in time. I took them all down and just like reevaluated everything. And I moved everything. And I just I looked at the I looked at the property and I said I'm gonna try it over here now. I'm gonna try it over here. And I'm gonna try it over here. Yeah. Pretty much just put up uh like a observatory stands on field edges. Yep. And that's how I kind of started hunting early season in 2020. And I kind of just moved in from there. Gotcha. And just focused more on more mature, like where more mature bucks were.
0: Gotcha. I ran a
1: couple more trail cameras and just kind of focus on that and just move in. Try to be kind of, you know, tactical about it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what I'm hearing is you put up some trail cameras Uh, You put up some observation stands and you were using that information on where to move next. Correct. Correct. Okay. So how did those first couple moves go when you got the trail camera pictures, when you got the, you know, the, the visual from the observation stands, was it a immediate move in or did you just go a little bit closer than a little bit closer or did you go in for the kill right away?
1: No, I, I would ease my way in. Like, I'd maybe move my stands 50 yards or so and then sit again, you know, on an evening or something like that. Yeah. Um, I got one on the south end of our property. There's – it goes from Cedar Swamp up to a ridge. The ridge is probably two, three acres maybe, roughly like that. Yeah. And then it then it then you can overlook, like, some power line area, and then it goes out into a field. And that's like my honey hole stand. And I moved um, the buck that I ended up killing in 2020. That was the spot that it happened at. And uh, if I would have left my stand where it was, even though it was only 50 yards, I never would have killed that buck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so this trigger, this thing, whatever it was that made you go, oh man, I, you know, I've listened to all these different podcasts, and I, I want to try something different, right? You try that different, something different, and and you, you put yourself into position. What made you move your stand from, from just that 50 yards, right, from that one little area where you never would have killed him to the area where you eventually shot this buck at?
1: Because I noticed most of the movement wasn't coming by me. Right. A lot of the deer movement a lot of the deer traffic where they're going over this ridge was out of range. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I got to get over there. So, you know, I picked a tree, moved it and it paid off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Um, and, and so was, did, did something click for you when that, when that scenario led to success? Oh Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And cool. I think that's why I even had an even better 2021 season. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
0: So, so what did you end up shooting in
1: 2020? Um, it was well, a eight pointer, uh three and a half year old, smaller eight pointer. Okay. About 100 inches or so. Gotcha. Huge body on it, though. I mean, it, around here, a buck to dress out at like 160, 165 is a big year. Yeah. Body wise, and he was, and that was uh October twenty fourth,
0: twenty twenty. Okay, all right. So, so ne- the the age class and the caliber of deer necessarily didn't change, but the uh, the way you did it changed, right? And yep. d- did you have more fun doing it that way? Because some guys, oh, yeah. some guys are completely happy with you know shooting a they don't care how they do it they're just like oh yep. man i i shot the same thing i shot last year but i i did it in a different way it doesn't matter to me a, a deer you know a dead deer is a dead deer it sounds to me like you got enjoyment from the process
1: <laughs> yeah i did it was it was awesome like yeah. I, I i can't even express the emotion that i i had that day because. If I wouldn't have moved that stand, it never would have happened. Yeah. And if I would have been in my old mindset, I never would have moved my stand. I would have said, no, I'm sitting here. It's good, you know. Right. But I said, nope, I'm going to do that. And then I said, it's going to work. And it worked. It's just like a set up. Uh, yeah. Just like that self-gratitude, you know, like it felt like an accomplishment.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, man. All and right. I
1: did, I did something and it worked.
0: Yeah. You put your mind to it. You made. You said to yep. yourself, "Hey, I'm going to do it this way." Y- you, that's the hardest part, man. I'm. I'm I don't. I don't think I, I. I've mentioned this throughout the years, but it is hard to take that first step. Right. It's so easy yep. to walk to a field edge stand, or a ladder stand that you've put somewhere, but it is hard to tear down when you're already exhausted. Maybe it's even dark out, and you move your stand in the dark, or or you. Um, or you decide that hey, I, I need to. I'm going to tear down tomorrow morning, and I'm going to move that yep. 50 yards closer or whatever after that sit. It sucks yep. ex- sometimes, yep. whether it's hot or it's cold or or you didn't see yep. anything. But sounds to me like what y- what you did it paid off, and now you're jacked about you know now you're jacked about doing oh, it again. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And I'm usually so worried about making noise and, you know, set control and stuff like that. That's, I think that was the biggest reason why I never wanted to move sets before either. Yeah. Cause I didn't want to go out there and make a bunch of noise, you know, rip a set down, put it back up, you know, walk 200 yards into the timber and spread scent everywhere. And, right. Like I just felt like I was going to screw stuff up doing right. it. And then,
0: How big of a property is your grandpa's farm?
1: Uh, 120 acres.
0: Okay, wow. So it may set. Sa- yeah. Go go ahead.
1: I was gonna say about half of its woods, half of its egg field. Yeah. So a good 60 to 80 acres of it, I think, is timber. Okay. Roughly, and then the rest is uh. Is it uh, like a egg fields and pretty much egg field goes three quarters of the way around it. Yeah. Like, kind of like a horseshoe.
0: Gotcha. Is it a block of timber or is it like fingers coming up into the fields?
1: It's It's one solid block, but it's longer than it is wide.
0: Gotcha. okay. All right, so um, you you take that 120 you boil it down to 60 80 whatever whatever it is. and now yeah. you know, I'll be honest with you, man, 40 acres, 50 acres of solid timber, it it really isn't that big when it comes to, you know, hunting specific deer or... I mean, that's what I found anyway. I mean... Oh, yeah. I, I agree. 100%. If you, I mean, you bump a deer out of that, it may not come back for a while or or whatever. So, the pressure is yep. definitely felt there with every oh, yeah. every encounter that goes into a, a, a small piece like that. I mean, I hunt a farm... Well, I did. I lost it recently. But the farm that I hunt is... It, it's basically... Uh, lowercase i i mean it is just a straight line and uh north south and so for the most part you have to access it from the north every single time off the road if you want to hunt down even at the farthest bottom point because you can't go through the other properties to get there with that said though um man i can't like when other people start walking through even if it's just one I can see my trail cameras show that change. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they, yeah. they, sh- you know, something might just go nocturnal or things just may not move until I'm out of the woods. I, I've seen that all the time. So anyway, yeah. um, so what happened in, in 2020, right? You, you just come off of a year where you found success being more mobile. What, yeah. what was your mindset going into the 21 season?
1: I pretty much told myself I gotta do the same thing again next year and you know make it make it happen again like that
0: yeah did you Um, uh,
1: a little bit different but it was it was the same but different in 2021
0: yeah so did you say to yourself I want to shoot a bigger buck this year or or okay right? so
1: I'm like like, now I gotta go up from here you know like I just wanna keep moving up the ladder
0: yeah then that's a great I mean that's a great way to start you can't a lot of people try to get to the top of a ladder by jumping and I'll tell you, it's hard to do. Um, it's very hard to do. So when you, when, when you made the decision in 2021, okay, I got to, I'm going to do this the same way that I did it last year. Uh, I also want to jump up in the caliber of deer that I'm, I'm chasing. Yeah. What kind of information did you gain in the off season that, uh, you were going to use to, I don't know, whether it's scouting or access routes or uh, trail camera data or, you know, content that you listened to or, or that you read to help you become better than what you were in the 2020 season into the 2021 season?
1: Um, More or less, I mean, I listened to content from you guys Um, and I did a little bit more scouting in the spring, try try to figure out like a little bit more about where they they bed and stuff like that yeah more uh focus more on trying to figure out like more on their travel patterns like where they're moving from the field to where they bed in the property and stuff
0: like that yeah all right
1: i did focus more on last last year in 2021 i did focus more on trail cams putting trail cams in better places to try to find more mature bucks instead of just getting pictures of deer
0: <laughs> yeah and so did that pay off
1: oh yeah big time yeah. i um the buck that i ended up killing in 2021 that wouldn't happened without any of that yeah plus uh that added i had to have a little help from my mom on that one too yeah because <laughs> uh my parents actually live on like the southeast part of our property and they overlook um, like a seven-acre alfalfa field. Okay. That's, that's down on that end. And the buck that I ended up killing that year, they seen it two nights in a row coming out there in October. So that helped me out a little bit too. I knew he was in the area, but that helped it narrow it down too.
0: Yeah, so you had picks of him, picks of this buck. Yeah. Okay.
1: I had a velvet pick of him in August. And then a few hard horn pictures of him in September. And then I didn't have any of him in October. Gotcha. But I ended up him at the end of October. So.
0: Gotcha. All right. So you, you got a couple. Um, was there anything specific from a strategy standpoint that you wanted to try to implement into the 2021 season that maybe you didn't even do in the 2020 season? Like, or focus on something. Uh-
1: Well, I knew about that buck that I ended up killing, so I pretty much focused on him and one other buck. And both of these bucks, I was getting at complete opposite ends of our property. Okay. So, I moved stands to complete opposite ends of the property to try to hunt these two bucks. And the buck that I ended up killing, I did not have a stand in the tree where I ended up killing him from though. That didn't happen until the day of. (laughs) Gotcha. The day of killing him. So I had to make the bold move that day also.
0: Okay. So So that kind of answers your question. Yeah. I mean, you're you're starting to realize the first time in, in has been the best time in for you.
1: It was kind of like a hanging bang. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. So you get this Intel from, Let's, let's walk through this this specific hunt. You get this intel from your mom saying, hey, I, I just saw this big buck in this alfalfa field two nights in a row. Um, yep. What was this buck doing? Talk to us about what this what you think this buck was doing, and, and then from a strategy standpoint, what was your plan to get in there and uh, try to get within shooting range of him?
1: I think he was mainly just coming out to feed. There's uh, those on the field those two nights, so... I mean, it was end October, so he would come out, you know, bump a couple does around, eat. He'd be on the field for maybe a half hour, and he'd go back into timber. Got That's what she was telling me. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. so it was funny because the, the night before that I killed him, I was on the north end of the property hunting that other buck. And she snaps a picture with her cell phone and sends me a picture of the buck that ended up killing out on the field at four thirty in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> the night, the night before I'm like, are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> so it was the, it was the same buck. Just he'd worked his way to a com- the completely opposite end of the farm.
1: No, no, this is the buck that was living on the South end of the property.
0: I gotcha. All right.
1: I was, I was hunting on the North end on, at, at the other buck. Cause I had two bucks that I really wanted to go after last year.
0: Okay. Right. And so, so, so the one shows up, yep. obviously did the other buck, the other buck didn't show up that night?
1: No, nope. I got skunked that night. I seen some smaller bucks, those never seen the buck that I was after that night. So I said, screw it. You know, I'm going to, tomorrow night, tomorrow's going to be my day and I'm going to focus on that other one.
0: Okay. And, and I did
1: not have a set there at that point in time
0: all right so it's time to get it's time to get mobile all right yes um so walk us through uh, like everything all the details of how you walked into this area how you decided to to uh you know pick that that specific tree talk to me about how you uh ended up like the wind direction all that stuff
1: okay um the next day called for a so I put it I put the stand in the southeast part of the field, this kinda of little pocket. So the wind was actually blowing northwest. It was blowing in my face um back into the timber. But that was fine if it blew behind me because the last two nights my mom said when he came out on the field he came out on the opposite side, so he'd be coming out in front of me if everything went according to plan. <laughs> yeah so i pulled a set hung it in that southeast pocket of that field up in a big cedar tree and um i hung it at like one o'clock in the afternoon i went home got prepared got everything ready shot my bow a couple times make sure that was good to go um i went back out at four and i'm pretty sure he stepped on the field at 4 30 i think it was like 4 30. 440 somewhere in there
0: okay so you hung but, your stand up first left the timber and then went back
1: it was yeah i hung it right on the edge it was right on the edge of the field in the in the timber up in a big cedar tree
0: okay all right then you, oh, you went home or you did something and then you came back yeah okay
1: i went home showered, and you know cleaned up and you know took a scent free shower and got my clothes all squared away and everything like that and like it was like it was game time like i was Gearing up to go into battle. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so, um, were you in? You put it in a, a big cedar tree. Was this cedar tree like at a a low point of the field where these deer were coming out and uh, like yeah. they were feeling comfortable?
1: Yep, yep, yep. There's a little. The field kind of drops down in the back right there, and there's a big cluster of cedars in the corner. Okay. And uh, I put it up in there. All right. But uh, uh, the field is about 100 yards wide. And they were coming out on the opposite corner a lot. Yeah. But, like, with the wind direction, it was perfect because they'd be upwind from me. So, any deer that come out out over there would never smell me at all, at least.
0: Yeah. So, was this kind of a... a, With the wind blowing back into the timber, that's kind of a risky move. Especially if you're hunting a field edge, right? It
1: Um, was. It pretty much... Would screw up anything that would come from behind me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so you you had you had a really good feeling that the deer were working a specific portion of the ridge leading up to the the alfalfa field. Correct. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's the way to do it. I mean, that's what I, that's what I do, right? You, yeah. Was, you find that quartering wind, yeah. and you you pretty much just say, "Hey, if uh, it's I'm good from here. I'm it's anything that comes from this yeah. way, I, was, I'm toast."
1: It was it was a chance I was willing to take.
0: Right, cool, all right. So you end up uh, you're in the tree stand, and you said so it was only like thirty minutes until that yeah. buck showed up.
1: Yep, but before him, a doe and a fawn came out.
0: Okay, were they and comfortable? Did they walk right by you? Any problems?
1: They came out just like I intended. They came out on the opposite end, and they just oh, a doe and a fawn just they yeah. just ate. They, you know, they, they just nibbled on alfalfa. They worked their way across the field. They ended up being like 15 yards in front of me. And they were cool as a cucumber. They could just sit there and be calm. And they had no idea I was up in a tree right above them. Perfect. And uh, I thank God for that dog and that bond because if they wouldn't have been there, I don't think the buck, when he did come out, out, wouldn't have came. I don't know if he would have came my way or not, but it helped. Yeah. I mean I had a, I had a live I had a live going in front of me, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh late October, right? The the Bucks yep. are gonna they're gonna try to get down wind and scent check. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah.
1: It was uh it was like I reeled him in on a string. Right. It was He put on a whole show though, he came out I was probably sitting twenty minutes, twenty five minutes tops, roughly, you know. Yep. He popped out uh, popped out the opposite field edge corner, and there was a scrape there, overhanging branch. And he came out, and, they, you know, it's broad daylight at that point in time at the end of October at, you know, 4.30 in the afternoon, quarter to 5. Yeah. He came out, and um, he looked at that doe, and he looked back behind him. He worked that scrape, stood on his hind legs, racked his antlers in the tree above him. Oh, nice. Yep. Pissed in the scrape,
0: <laughs> nice.
1: Like he put on a whole show in front of me. I'm like, yeah. this is awesome. And uh, and then he turned and looked at that doe again, and he put his head down. You know how they, they dog. You know they put their head down, comes over kind of at a trot, and he let out the big, the loudest grunt I think I've ever heard of a, a white tail buck ever Really? In all my years of hunting, I've never heard a buck. It just it was like a beller,
0: like almost like a roar. And
1: yeah. yeah. And that made the hair on the back of my neck stand up.
0: <laughs> oh, dude! And so, how far how and far out is he at this point?
1: At this point, he's probably about sixty yards, and he's coming kind of at a fast walk across the field at this doe. And at this point in time, I don't even have my bow in my hand because I was all caught up in what he was doing. I'm like, I can't believe this is actually happening, you know?
0: So he so he pops out you get you get fired up and yep. uh is, is this is like where's this deer rank on the biggest deer of your life
1: this is the biggest bull kill i've ever had
0: okay biggest bow kill he's right in front of you yeah. he's starting to work his way towards the doe like were, did you feel safe in that cedar tree i, I feel like there's oh, a yeah. lot of back cover i mean could you get away with some yeah. movement
1: yeah yeah. I mean, I didn't brush out it out a lot. I wanted to make sure there was a lot of branches around me and stuff like that. Just kind of conceal me. Cause you know, I was on a field edge, but so I didn't want to open it up too much. Yeah. So yeah, he had no clue. I was even there. He was just focused on that though.
0: Perfect. And so and, walk us through the rest of the, you know, the rest of this, uh, this shot.
1: I turned, I turned up and grabbed my bowl. Cause I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's, it's on like, this is, that's, that's him. You know, I'm, so, I grab my bowl, and I swing around, I click the release on, and he's standing there. He stops about 15, 20 yards away from her. So, he's about 30 yards at this point from me, roughly. Okay. And uh, I got my pin set at 20, and I want him to come another 10. I want to, I want to shoot him at, le- at least 20, if not closer, you know? Yeah. And he's quartering to me. He's got his head down. And uh, I'm like, crap, I'm like, I really don't want to take a cording two shot, you know. I really don't like cording two shots at all. Okay. And uh, he made another, like, six, seven steps forward. And he picked his head up, but he didn't pick his head up and look at me. He picked his head up, just, like, kind of look at her. And she whips her head and looks at him. And I could tell by her body language, I started looking at her, too, out of, like, the corner of my eye she was getting like antsy, like she wanted to bolt. Like she didn't want anything to do with him. And I'm like, it's now or never. Cause I'm like, if she bolts into the timber behind me, I'm like, it's over. Cause he's probably gonna go right after her. And I'm not gonna be able to shoot this deer because there was solid cedars behind me. I can't shoot behind me at all. So I picked my bow up. I settled the pin between his neck and his, that front shoulder blade and that soft spot.
0: And so Man, he he went, was he was quartering hard, pretty hard then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And I felt confident. Yep. And I let that arrow fly, and I watched that whole arrow bury in his chest cavity all the way up to just to the fletchings. Nice.
0: God, that's a and good feeling.
1: I've never heard like I said before about the whole, the whole grunting thing. He let out the biggest. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't really call it a grunt. But it was like a I guess a cough, but like a, a loud deep ah, cough.
0: Like, a, <laughs> like I just got shot and I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I've never I've never heard a deer make that noise either. Yeah. I drilled him with the arrow, arrow sunk in, he made that noise, and he turned and he made it right to the field edge where he stepped out and he I seen his legs go flying up in the air. Yeah, you know, buddy. Right. You know, ass over tea kettle.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Done right there. Yeah. And he never got back up. And so and I was like, holy shit, that just happened.
0: Yeah. And so like, we're like this is this is probably my favorite, right? You shoot the deer, you they run out of distance and you you can't really celebrate yet. Right? But if you see him drop in sight. Yeah. yeah. I was you, in shock. Yeah. But if you see him drop in sight, that's a different story. Then that's when I get, like, oh, like I get fired up. Yeah.
1: yeah, like, I seen him flip, but I couldn't really see his body because there's, on the edge of the field, it it went into grass and then into the woods. Yeah. So, he was laying right there in all that tall grass and stuff like that. I really couldn't see him, but I was sitting there watching, watching, watching for a good five minutes, and I never seen him get back up. Awesome. So, I was assuming he was laying right there, which he was, but yeah you know I was, i'm like he's got to be right there
0: right how much time did you give him before you got out of the stand
1: uh good 10 minutes <laughs> yeah right right
0: you knew he was dead
1: but i i sat there and i watched that corner like i watched it like a hawk and i'm like i didn't see him get back up i'm like i don't hear anything like it was dead quiet it was dead quiet that night i mean there was probably only maybe a five mile an hour wind and uh I'm like he's he's toast. I'm like, yeah. so I got down there and I almost I lost, I I tripped off the last step of my climbing stick. <laughs> I was so I was so excited. I got down and I missed the last step. <laughs> I got, down. I got I slipped a little bit, but uh yeah I walked over where I drilled them and it was like instant blood everywhere.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: and I for not even not having a pass through. I mean the arrow went in and i had blood right there and the arrow ended he ended up kicking the arrow out halfway across that field yeah which i didn't end up finding it until the next day but because i went over there by him I'm like where the hell's my arrow and even when i gutted him out i couldn't find it i'm like well he only ran 80 yards across this open alfalfa field i'm like it's got to be laying somewhere
0: right right
1: <laughs> i ended up finding it but yeah
0: awesome so you walk up to this deer and you put your hands on him for the very first time. What was going through your head?
1: I, I was just in shock, like yeah. speechless. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, I'm like, "This was the buck that I was after," and it all ha- came through, and I, I ended up calling my calling my buddy Kevin. You uh, know, he's like my best friend, my one of my best hunting partners. Like, if I shoot a deer, I call him first, right? Uh, I called him. And I'm like, you know that big tall eight? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, he's dead. I'm like, I just smoked him. Yeah. And it's like a wave of emotion came over to me. Like, just, it feels all, you know, it just felt so surreal. You know, like, yeah. I couldn't believe it actually happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I just sat there and I just sat there for like probably a good five minutes and just like stared at him laying there dead in front of me. Like I picked the rack up, checked them all out and stuff like that. Like I just had a moment with him. Yep. Before I walked away.
0: Yeah. That's the best part, dude. It, it uh honoring the beast, so to speak, right? Oh. You, you're you're just I don't know I don't know what you go through, but I I sit there and I'm just like, dude, I I just took this life for this animal. So you got to you show it you show it the respect it deserves because it's going to you know, it's, it's going to feed you. It's going to be a memory yeah, on your wall that. and and things like that. So um Yeah. So now how long? uh Let's see. How how big was this deer?
1: Um, I you talking like score? See, I don't like know weight.
0: score or age class I, estimates. I
1: never had him officially scored, and I'm no pro. But I printed off a Pope and Young sheet off the internet, and I scored him at 134.
0: Okay, as a eight pointer or, or a ten? As an
1: eight. As, as an, an eight. eight. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good yep. deer.
1: He's got. Yeah, 21 inch long main beams. He's he's like perfectly symmetrical. He's got oh, 21 nice. inch long main beams, uh, nine and a half G2s, eight inch G3s. He's like five inch at the bases, and it goes all the way up by his G3s. He's like four and a half for mass.
0: Yeah,
1: like he, he's pretty thick.
0: That's awesome. That's all. <laughs> awesome. What what did you you guess him at a three three year old then?
1: I don't know. Like, I three and a half or four and a half. I yeah. don't know. He's got. I don't know. He's he's got that stocky head on him. You know what yeah. I mean? That blocky head. Yeah. And I think, I think that so makes me think he's more mature than I think he actually is. I never had him aged. I wish I would have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. But, so
1: definitely my biggest buck.
0: That's awesome, man! Congratulations. Uh, and so now you got two two years worth of success doing this new style of of hunting that you've you said that you were going to do. What's in the yeah. What's in the cards for the 2020 season?
1: Pretty much the same. I mean, it's it's paid off the last 2 years. I'm going to be more mobile. I mean, that's pretty much that was the key to pretty much my success the last 2 years was not being afraid to move stands and get a little aggressive, I guess. Yeah. You could say.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Um,
1: so, I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind for this year. Um I got a couple decent bucks on trail cam. Already, I mean, those I pulled those pictures, and those were pictures from back from July. Yeah. So I haven't went and look. I don't like to go check them too often. So I don't run cell cams. Okay. I'm I'm the I'm, I'm the chip guy. I gotta go out there and pull the chip. Yep. But I don't like to go out there any more than pretty much two weeks, two three weeks at the most. Like I don't like going out there every week and checking them or anything like that. Like I don't want
0: to. Yeah.
1: Get out there that much, but. I sent you some trail camp pictures. I think it was last week or something I had some velvet pictures. Nice. I'll
0: have to check those out. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, I sent those
1: to you on, uh, on Facebook. but um, Yeah. Perfect. So, I mean, they look they look like some good quality three-and-a-half, four-and-a-half-year-old bucks. All, all of, the three of them look like eight-pointers. Yeah. I really, I don't know, I kind of want to go for something more than an eight. Yeah. But you can't can shoot the bucks that aren't there
0: right <laughs> so, so you gotta, you gotta yeah, take what you can get right but, but at uh, the same time right the, here's here's this this next thing is right the next three-year-old that walks by if you want to shoot a bigger antlered buck and here this is the issue that a lot of people have right they want that bigger buck it's currently not on their farm so they decide well i'm going to shoot this three-year-old but if you pass it it might make it through it, it just might who knows if it will yeah. or not it might make it through to a four-year-old and then probably just be bigger the next year, or you gotta go find different properties to hunt, whether that's public yep. or, or knocking on doors or things like that.
1: Yep. So. And, you know, I'm gonna see what, you know, beginning of September rolls around, see what I got, you know, once they shed velvet, yep. see what else, see if any new bucks show up. Um, But yeah, we do have public land not far from here. It's a huge, like, cattail swamp with ridges in it and stuff like that and uh i did go scout that in the spring of 2020 i went in there in march and uh took a walk me and my dad did yeah and uh that looked like a deer haven and i told myself last year if i wasn't tagged out by november i was going to go in there and hunt a rut like the first week of november well i ended up shooting that buck on october (laughs) 26th <laughs> so you know I, I didn't have a buck tag
0: yeah
1: so this year um if i don't shoot a buck in october because wisconsin we were allowed to shoot one buck with the ball yep um if i'm not tagged out by then if it hits november i think i might venture into that public land and give it a shot
0: nice nice well hey man congratulations on the last two years of archery kills and, uh, let me be the first Thanks. to wish you good luck this upcoming season, man. Hopefully you connect on uh, a bigger and better buck and, and, uh, you find success, whatever that definition is.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I feel honored that you let me come on and talk to you.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for uh, sharing a good story. And, uh, again, good luck, man. Yeah, you too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Huge shout out to Zach, man! Congratulations on an awesome 2021 season, and good luck in the future to uh, all your all your other hunts, man. Hopefully you slay. Good luck to each and every one of you as the season comes up, man. There's no other. There's like, I really hope you guys all find success. That's the goal, right? Uh, Cause when you guys find success, that means I'm doing something good and uh, I, I love it. I just, I, I love it. I love having the, the stories. I love talking and communicating with you guys. I mean, and, and really that's what it's all about. And then a uh, huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Hunt Stand and Vortex. If you have any questions about those products, hit me up on Instagram and I'll be able to share some insight with you. Uh, last but not least... It's all about the good vibes, man. And we definitely have to have good vibes in this crazy world we live in. And uh, we got to spread the good vibes. So good vibes in, good vibes out, and most definitely wear your safety harness. And we'll talk to you next time.